What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming queens horror podcast. What do you want? Screaming queens horror podcast. Are you deaf? Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the wicker man. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch! It was an asylum! And it was hell! 20 years of pure hell! The devil wins sometimes. What's that like to live deliciously? They're here. They're all gonna laugh at you! To a new world of gods and monsters. Hello and welcome to Screaming Queens, the horror podcast with the queer eye view. My name's John Larkin. I'm Stephen Moore. I'm Jonathan Butler. And I'm Martin Fennerty. So tonight we're going to be revisiting our old friend, the Jallo film. For those of you who've listened to Screaming Queens from the beginning, you'll have been on the Jallo journey with us. So what is Jallo? Well, if you've enjoyed the slasher movie, be it Halloween, Friday the 13th, or even Scream, then you've had a taste of Jallo. Springing up in the 60s and finding its fabulous heels feet in the 70s, the Jallo film is an Italian thriller, often involving a glove killer stalking beautiful women with a large emphasis on sex, psychology, and style. So after Mario Bava set the standard with 1964's Blood and Black Lace, Dario Argento then took it and ran with it in the 70s, injecting extreme violence, references to the art world and male protagonists, whose very masculinity was under threat from the glove killer, which as you can imagine sent shockwaves through the good old Italian machismo of the 70s. Sergio Martino gave us films with more emphasis on the ladies, often caught up in psychosexual drama, and whilst they were often fleeing from the killers screaming their beautiful lungs out, they were also complicated and multifaceted, without just being knife fodder, despite what many film historians will tell you. What Jelly Offer is an interesting snapshot of the time they were made, which doesn't always make for an easy watch and can be quite challenging when viewed through a millennial lens. I mean, sometimes it's safer to stick to what you know and just cover classic films you grew up with, but once you step outside your comfort zone, there's much to enjoy. How do I open the door? <laughs> If you were going to tell someone to start on Jello, what would your recommendation be? I would, I'd say Blood and Black Lace because yeah. I just love that. Was film. that the first one we saw? I think it might have been. Yeah, it's got everything. It's very, very stylish. Yeah, it's mysterious. It's a bit gothic. Yeah, um, it's just a great film. So I'd say it's 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 an easy it's an easy start. But there there are so many good ones. Yeah, uh, Jonathan, what would you say? Um, I'd probably say Deep Red. Deep Red. Yeah, I think. Argento has made better films, but I think that's probably the that's like the archetype of the Jallo. I think, yeah, for me, yeah, it's got the most. It, I think I said it in the podcast about it, but it's it's almost like a remake of Bird with Crystal Plumage. Yeah, it's the same basic plot, but I think just the Everton's in place, it's a bit more refined. Yeah, so I'd say Deep Red. That's about that. I think it might have that might have come out the same year as the film we're talking about tonight as yeah. well, and the kind of falls apart. Stephen, have you got any? I would have gone with Blood and Black Ice as well, just because I love the stylistic elements yeah. of it and they're a lot heavier it was my introduction and I loved it straight off the bat so it's yeah. sign I think it was my I think it was my introduction on Martin's as well 
on a superficial level, one of the things that drew my queer eye to Jally was the sheer sense of style in these films. Blood and Black Lace, with its tableau dynasty style opening credits, its couture house setting and lots of tough, fabulous women who looked devastating as they were being stalked. I was just swooning, getting my queer camp life the whole time we watched this film. They're not always entirely logical, yeah. which is like um, a lot of queer expression, artistic expression, yeah. like drag. It's not always logical, it makes yeah, sense. That's true. But it's there nonetheless, so it can be a bit absurd. Yeah. But at heart, you often just have a good old fashioned thriller or detective yeah. story, don't you? And it's yeah. not, I think it's easy for some people to get confused and just think that all Italian horror thriller films are giallo but mm. actually it's just a very specific form of yeah. Italian horror and thriller. I mean obviously queer audiences respond to more than just fabulous women there are fabulous men too but also there was quite a bit of queer representation in the giallo film wasn't there? I mean whilst it was the 70s so it wasn't going to be the most progressive in terms of showing LGBT people sometimes the characters were better drawn and more sympathetic than you'd expect A modern audience may not always be comfortable with how things are played or represented totally. but, it's a, but it's a product of its mm-hmm. time but also not everything has to be not everything should be artistically or politically correct. Yeah, totally. Um, so attitudes to women, attitudes to, to gay people are always enlightened, but actually how they're presented can sometimes surprise you. Totally. I think that, that for me, I think I enjoy watching things that are kind of out of context now because I think there's something kind of jarringly funny about hearing or seeing something that you think, oh my God, you just can't do that or say that or be like that and to know that that was perfectly acceptable at the time to think or to give your character certain lines and just get away with it yeah. no one would have battered an eyelid and I think it's quite funny it's really it's partly really being the oldest person here is that that was part that was within my lifetime yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. those attitudes and those that way of presenting people on screen wasn't just unique to Italian you know Italian film that was there in British films and yeah. British television you know and how yeah. those attitudes to women were recurrent everywhere yeah and looking at queer characters as well a lot of genre films from 60s 70s early 80s when the, when these when the, these jelly were sort of ruling the roost in Italy um, a lot of genre films didn't have that many queer characters and the fact that the, that in jelly they're actually there mm. That in itself is a big There's deal. There's probably more queer representation in these films than there is in modern horror. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's good representation, but it's representation. Yeah, totally. I think we didn't, when we spoke about the eyeball, we were saying that we were quite surprised with that, weren't we? Yeah. What were we surprised by? The, like, because the, the final girl was... Uh, she was black. Lesbian. Well, she's, mm-hmm. she's and a lesbian, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Lesbians pop up a lot in these films. Lesbians popped up in the film tonight as well. From sort of 75 onwards, things started to get a little bit sleazier. Um, that's kind of recognised. Like 75 onwards, it all got a bit more hardcore. Not actual hardcore porn, no. but um, the knickers came down a little bit more. <laughs> the knickers came down. Um, yeah. While you might not be entirely happy about how people presented, actually it's really refreshing watching the, those films and the sex scenes and the nudity and the body politics just being completely different 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. Just the bodies are so much more natural than you ever get to see on screen. Yeah. Now, yeah. everything's very gym and diet 
yeah. sculpted now, isn't it, in one way yeah. or another usually. Yeah. And then you've got people who can't, can't possibly just be described as fat or puny, but they're muscular or they're they're curvy or sensuous in a very much more natural way. Yeah. It's, it's really refreshing just to, to watch yeah, that. I often enjoy looking at people's teeth in Jello films because mm. now everybody's teeth are identical because everyone's got the same veneers no mm. matter no matter mm. what character they're playing. And they're strangely luminous white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as the as the 70s trundled on, Jolly started to lower its brow and its knickers to mm. appeal to a tits and ass crowd who wants to side helping of trash with their psychedelic cerebral arty murder mysteries. So while sexuality and fetish had always played a massive part in Jolly, like The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward and Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, some of the later films put the sex full frontal and centre. Um, so last year, Scream and Queens covered the Euro Sleaze gem, Malibin with a Malicious Orb. And if you haven't heard it, then we employ you to scroll back and um, go through our archive and seek it out because I think we laughed for like a full hour yeah. <laughs> talking about that film. But the director of that film, Andrea Bianchi, also made forays into Jello, and in 1976 he took Jello icon Edwige Fennec and dropped her into a sleaze tastic murder mystery set in the modelling agency. Think blood and black lace with no knickers on, a fag <laughs> hanging out the corner of its mouth, and the smell of stale gin and jizz on a pashmina, and you're halfway there. Tonight we're discussing Strip Noob for You Killer. A shadow in the night. Footsteps on the stairs. The sound of death. Carl, I'm afraid. What am I supposed to do? Magda, get that film. It's a special infrared film. Get it and develop it. Hurry. strikes out of the void. No one knows why. A mystery within a mystery. Carlo, the murderer could be anyone. Yeah. Why not? Why not me, for instance? Almost as if for a sacred rite. Oh, he killed Doris. Then Doris must have been killed by the same madman. Blood. To slake the thirst of a human beast. There's very little time to love. It must be done hurriedly. Desperately. Because for him, for her, for anyone, an atrocious death may be approaching. 
minutes pass by and one feels the breath of death on the back of one's neck. Ah, he gave us a slip. An anguished shiver chills the blood. It's the moment of terror. Are we all nude? Mm. Yeah. Stephen, you're not nude. Take that tiara off right now. <laughs> Better accessorise. <laughs> Don't drop it. <laughs> um, so strip nudes for your killer was made in 1975 by Andre Bianchi. So um, he made Malibu and Burial Grounds as well, which is a zombie movie that we, we will cover eventually. Amazing. And it was actually released in the UK as part of a double bill with Sister Emmanuel. So it was Sorry. thought of as more of a sex film than anything else. So the plot is essentially a backstreet abortion goes horribly wrong and a model called Evelyn dies of cardiac arrest. Then a killer in a motorcycle helmet starts bumping off all of the models and agents at the modeling agency for whom she worked. Two photographers, Magda, who has an aversion to clothes, and Carla, Carlo, a chauvinist with a tendency for sexual harassment, but also a very cute bum, <laughs> are tasked with trying to track down the killer. Our last few episodes, we've been experimenting on me, and um, mm. we've been watching the film together just before we record, just to sort of get like an yeah. instant reaction. Um, so I, like, I do like sort of hearing what people's instant thoughts on the film are. So, had you seen it before, Jonathan? No, I've not. I was such your yeah, first time too. Yeah. I would make, go on, what was your instant reaction to it? I loved it. It's brilliant. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense, <laughs> but it's brilliant. I think that's Jallo all over, really. Yeah, well, not a lot of them. Doesn't always have to make sense, no, does it? No. Martin? Um, yeah, no, it didn't really make a lot of sense, but it's in there in the title, lots of nudity and lots of killing. It does exactly what it, it says does, on the tin. It does exactly what it says on the tin, which not it's not always the case for every jello. No, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I can't remember how many ducklings were in Don't Torture a Duck. No. No. <laughs> Stephen, uh, I loved it. It was so sleazy and stylish at the same time, which I just think is just really hard to do. And I just, I just thought it was brilliant, it was beautiful, and disgusting. And I love it. Of all of the jelly that I've thought we should watch, this has always been high on my list, and we've just never sort of got round to it until now. Um, but I thought it was a good time so Arrow Video have just put out like an America only release on Blu-ray of Strip New for Your Killer so that's the version that we watched tonight it's only is it only on DVD in the UK at the minute Shameless put it out yeah. yeah Stephen is so overwhelmed by the film that he's on yeah. the cardiac arrest <laughs> I'm just choking Shameless yeah Shameless put it out on DVD here so that's when I first saw it a few years back yeah but yeah this is the first time I've seen it on Blu-ray and um, yeah it looks great it does look, it does look really good it's quite. A, it's a really good looking film. It's a well shot film. I think people sort of write off Andre Bianchi because he makes he made a lot of trashy sleaze. See, because that that's what I'd always heard about the film. I'd always heard it was quite sleazy and trashy. But I watching it then, I didn't think it was that sleazy in comparison to some others. Yeah, I've watched. No, I agree. It yeah. wasn't really. It's not. It's no New York Ripper. I think it's controlled sleaze, isn't it? It's like, yeah. You know, it knows what it's doing. It's not mm. like just there for the sake of it. It's having fun with it I, I thought I mean, it's very tongue in cheek yeah. yeah I mean it's more it, 
It's more edgy than a Poirot, but I quite easily watch it. <laughs> I quite happily watch it at nine o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> instead of watching a Poirot. Instead of watching a Poirot. Yeah, it's not overly... It's not going to rock, rock your Saturday night into any sort of distress yeah. or nightmares. Yeah, totally. It's, it's not mean-spirited either. No, no, definitely not. One of the things, I mean, so part of this release, Rachel Nisbet, our, our friends of our podcast, she wrote the uh, liner notes for this part of the set. And one of the things she says about it is what separates it from a lot of the sleazier films is that it, it isn't mean-spirited and mm. it, it, hasn't, it hasn't got a cruelty towards the women. Because the women get the, the clothes off a lot and are lots of the victims, but there are a lot of male victims in the film as well. Mm. And they get naked as much as the women do yeah. as well. Well, not maybe not as much, but you know. A lot of the women are in control of their own sexuality in this film. I would I'm say, sorry. yeah. Mm. And they're not you. It's not you. Some films from that era, it is completely gratuitous, and the characters are not uh, don't have control over their own bodies. They're totally all. weak, yeah. Mm. And that's not remotely the case yeah. in this film. I think the only one I'd argue was is a man. Yeah, in this film. Really, Maurizio, mm. yeah. chubby guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the film opens with a blue tint. I, I liked your response to it, Martin. You were like, "Oh my god, it's actually a blue movie." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got a woman on a on a bed or a trolley or whatever, yeah, naked, yeah. with her legs spread and a man's head between her legs, and it's all tinted blue. And I thought, is this where the blue movie comes from? <laughs> Did porn get made with a blue tint? But then we saw the abortion spike. Well, then it's from the Yeah. So the film opens with a backstreet abortion. Um, that does go wrong. There's, we see a hint of blood and she's not very comfortable. And mm. then suddenly he's trying to revive her. And he, he, he calls someone, doesn't he? The doctor calls someone in a panic and says that she's had a cardiac arrest. Yeah, she's dead. We have to get her out of here and make it look like she died at home. I agreed with Stephen at that point. It, he did. He wasn't. He, he didn't seem to be making an awful lot of effort. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't that concerned. It was a bit like low effort, and I was a bit confused because I just I wasn't quite getting that it was an abortion, and I was just thinking it was she was just having a gynecological checkup, yeah. and I was like, how did she die from that? Yeah, it was very confused yeah. until he confirmed it on phone for me. You have to pay close attention to the bloody spike. Yeah. yeah. But him trying to revive her was a bit half. Half-arsed. Half-arsed. Yeah, it was. I wasn't half-arsed. <laughs> <laughs> this film sort of sets its stall out completely in the first ten minutes, doesn't it? Because you have the abortion scene and then it cuts like like rude awakening it cuts straight to the opening credits which is hmm. set to this music. The theme song. The music amazing. It's by Berto Pisano. And it sounds just like, well, it sounds a lot like Papa Was a Rolling Stone. Yeah. yeah. I thought that's what was starting when it came on. You see, like, Milan at night, don't you? Someone's driving around, and you're, you've, it's from their perspective. And then we slowly come to realise it's from the killer's perspective that we're driving so. around. And the killer, who we don't see straight away, we heard a lot of heavy breathing, Michael Myers style. And the killer tracks down, who turns out to be the doctor who performed the abortion. Stabs the doctor to death with a spike, or I think it's like hmm. a spike. Or yeah, something. oh, that's where he's going into his house, isn't it? To start, mm. yeah. And then there's all gushings of this amazing, overly over the top red blood, yeah. And then we cut straight from that to like an amazing 70s it's health spa, and we go from red blood to red blooded men, yeah, <laughs> sat around the pool. And the first thing that stands out for me in this is it's you're automatically looking at all these men in their underwear mm, and not yeah. women straight away. That's the first thing yeah. that you see. 
Um, but then attention is swiftly diverted mm. when the character Lucia, played by Femi Benussi, wow. struts through, walks past the pool. And how would you describe that walk? I'm speechless. I can't, <laughs> I can't describe it. It was beautiful. It was like an elegant waddle. Yeah. An elegant waddle. It's it's not like a sexy doll. Because it evolves. She, she loves herself more as she did the further mm. she walks around that pool. And the more attention she gains from the men, the more indifferent she is. But the more the more indifferent she is to the surroundings mm. and the more assured she is of her own mm. body and herself. I feel like the more attention she gets, the bigger her hair gets. Yeah. <laughs> and the more her hips roll as yeah, she walks. She's, that girl is she's owning it, isn't yeah. she? The, 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 the world is her catwalk, basically. So she waltzes past, and then uh, the, the camera zooms in on one of the men, and that is Carlo, who, is t- who transpires is our sort of hero of the piece. A hero? A hero. <laughs> Probably from words. <laughs> and he is played by the very handsome Nino Castanovo, uh, who it turns out was in Rocco and his brothers, the Visconti film. Uh, and he immediately leaps up from the throng of his buddies, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And chases after it. And it turns out he's a photographer because he's got like, a camera around his neck. Think if you had a camera in a swimming pool nowadays, you'd uh, someone would be calling the police. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Especially if you just start following girls around him, taking pictures of the bums, yeah. saying, oh, I love your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen a face yet. Yeah. So he's, our hero is sneaking up behind a woman, <laughs> photographing her arse <laughs> in a bikini, saying something like, I've seen that face before. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like machismo overloads, isn't it? 1975 style. Uh, I thought it was a bit like Carry On, but with extra toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah. I did think the, the, the opening shot of it, I was like, this could be like Carry On. You yeah. Know, carry On Lifeguard or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Confessions of a swimming pool attendant. Exactly. Um, and I feel like, I feel like as, as, queer, as a queer audience, us three, especially tonight, we were like superheroes because we were readdressing the balance just by watching this film and paving off his arse whilst, <laughs> yeah, he, was whilst he was paving off that woman. And think of all those men who, who would have paved off those women in this film when it came out. You know, sitting there in the cinema with the hard-ons. Can we just think about that, actually? <laughs> <laughs> and there's us readdressing the balance by <coughs> paving off Carlos. I just wonder whether you, this film has got a, a great... A greater queer audience now than it ever had than it yeah, than its original intended audience. Yeah. To be honest, I would say fans, queer fans of horror, who haven't quite embraced Jello yet, mm. which is just bloody disgusting. I would say actually a good entry film for those people might be if they sat down and watched this because I think they might get a lot more out of it than yeah, they, yeah. than they expected. Yeah, um, a back door into Jallo. A back door into Jallo. <laughs> That's got to be the book that I write. <laughs> back door uh, into Jallo. That's amazing, Jonathan. Take Jallo from you can behind. Have, you can have that. <laughs> take Jallo from behind. Oh my god. Also describes the end of the film. Um, <laughs> that was implied. It was implied. Um, so I love the bar that she's sitting at at the health spa. Uh, incredible. Yeah, so he sort of he, he, he sort of sidles up to her and she's sitting there sipping her um, grapefruit juice and um, he's like taking photographs in her face mm. and all this and he's like trying to chat it up telling her he works for what Vogue and Harper's Bazaar yeah and she's not having any of it really she's just but saying see, stop what I got from it was that she she knew she it was almost like she was auditioning the way she struts past it's like 
she knows she wants a job so yeah. that's what that's the impression I got mm. so she's more empowered than you think yeah definitely that 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 was my take on top yeah order. yeah because she walked in with like a purpose yeah definitely and then like all the other girls were like throwing themselves at him as he was walking through mm-hmm. so he's obviously known yeah, everyone knows his job because he's sitting at the bar and she's, and she's like oh no go away but then she turns and gives him a perfect profile and like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's he's true, obviously actually. at this point it's obvious that he's a woman isn't he yeah. one of his girlfriends has said you've got a date with me yeah. and he pushes it to pushes it to one side to, to speak because he's pursuing yeah. Lucia at the moment and she's just playing hard to get yeah sort of and um, <laughs> for like 30 seconds yeah um, so he tells us that she could be a top model if but first she's got to lose a bit of that tum I know as he pats her stomach that is not existent it's awful. She's like skinny. Like she's not like anorexic, but she is skinny. Yeah. That for me, that was probably the most disgusting thing in this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just that that, that comment. Was the most offensive. Yeah. 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 She's just gorgeous. And, 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 and Jonathan's a little bit in love, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a little bit. Yeah. So the actress, <laughs> that name again is Fe- <laughs> Femi Benusi. Oh. Check Jonathan's Google search history tomorrow. No, don't. Please don't. <laughs> 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 um, so he suggests that they go and have a sauna together, mm. which they do, and he basically strips her in the sauna, mm. and he's like all over. Uh, it doesn't take long to be fair. She's only wearing like, yeah, a bikini and high heel. Yeah. How do you want me to pose? Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So he's straddling her on the bench, and then uh, at this point, it did wonder what is the Italian for me too. <laughs> I'm not sure. It quickly devolves, does it? Like he then swipes off his pants. Oh, it gets, it gets hot. I bet yeah, it depends. That is, um, camera. camera isn't working. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, how strange. It's not clicking. Oh, yeah. Oh. Maybe he pretends his camera is working and she points out that it's, it's not. not yeah. Yes, she's not stupid. She knows there's no click. Mm. Um, so he then, yeah, it descends into hot, passionate lovemaking. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know, this is t- now it's time for the in-depth interview, I think he says. Um, whilst the girl who <laughs> he stood up is like banging on the door. You know, what, are you, what, what are you doing? And he's like, go away, I'm in the middle of something. No, but she doesn't say, oi, why are you fucking that bad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She goes, I've been waiting for you. Yeah. Where are you? Completely ignoring the fact that yeah. he's in the middle of having sex. I like that her head just like pops up in the little round mirror. Like when they're into the room, she's yeah. just like, hello. What's <laughs> going on in here? Yeah. And then you see it again as she's leaving. She just very disapprovingly shakes her head yeah. and then walks off. From Me Too Comedy in the sauna, we then cut to Albatross Modeling Studio. Albatross, what a strange name. Mm. Um, and it looks like it's the storage unit of the film studio where they yes. make this film. Yeah. So, Paul Lucia turns up with Carlo and basically gets told again that she's too fat. Doesn't Edwige Fennec say that we're going to need like a panorama lens or something? Something like that, oh, yeah. She gets told she's too fat. So so she meets Edwige, she meets Magda, the photographer, played by iconic Edwige Fennec, and then, um, who dismisses her, and then the tough, stylish, power lesbian manager of the firm, Gisela, comes in. Um, sort of drags her off for an quote unquote interview in her office mm. so um, Lucia basically gets me to tell she's fat and then gets um, pulled into the office by a lesbian a bit of lesbian me too a lesbian me too yeah 
So yeah, she's not having a good time. However, she is good to get involved with career artists, so hmm. I complain. I think she was having a very good time to be fair. She didn't look like she was distressed by anything. Do you know what she doesn't look distressed by anything? I think she knew what she was doing. Not phased. Yeah. Because actually if you think about it, Lucia is the one a bit later on when the police are there investigating, she's like winding them up by sitting there with with the knickers on show. Yeah. So Yeah. I don't think she's as stupid as we as you know. That was my take anyway. Yeah. So from there, we then go to a, um, we, we've got a live lesbian display at a sleazy red lit club where Gisela's husband, Maurizio, who's uh, the big obese guy, yeah. has taken model Patrizia out for a bevy and an e-trembler. Um, <laughs> and I think um, it all sort of sets the scene quite well, doesn't it? Because everybody in there is sort of sexually promiscuous. Mm-hmm. They're all out for what they can get, aren't they? Um, they're all a bit dysfunctional as well, um, and it's, yeah, everyone's just so like sex mad in this film because it goes from the live lesbian display and Maurizio cheating on his wife with one of the models to then Magda coming into Carlo's yeah his dark room dark room and giving him a blowjob yeah in one of the interviews with the actor who plays Carlo he says that they had to do the takeover and over again and his zip broke mm. and something popped out <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it did. <laughs> In the middle of all this, there's a queer character. Mario Ferrari. Mario Ferrari. Um, He's sort of in the background in the first couple of scenes, and then we follow him home. He heads home to his flat and is stalked, isn't he, by the killer. We we see the first of the the running water motifs, Mm. so there's a fountain outside his flat, isn't there? So, yeah, what did we make of him as a queer character? You know what I really enjoyed? Just when he answers the door to the killer, he recognises the killer because... They're not wearing the helmet. And I like the fact that he goes, Oh, darling, you look fabulous. But because he's a gay man, you don't know whether he's saying darling to yeah. a woman or darling to a man. Yeah. And I think that's a really clever use. Yeah. yeah. I'm an effeminate gay character. Yeah. Because he's so overtly camp, it is really ambiguous. You, you think, oh, actually, is, could it be a woman? Could it be a man? You just, you yeah. really don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's a great use. Yeah. Queerness. Totally. And as much as I was thinking, as much as a, he's a cardboard cutout stereotype as any gay character in a Jello film, we've met all the we've met all the men we're gonna meet really in the first ten minutes mm. and he's the only one who isn't a sleazy predator. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's got quite a light presence, hasn't he, in yeah. the films. It's not like maybe other films where they can really lay it on thick, focus mm. on that on that camp queer character an awful lot just to just because of the exoticness or the, the yeah. strangeness of it. He's there in just a very light way, and so it doesn't yeah. feel... Uh, yeah, he is a camp character and a bit of a cardboard cutout, but it doesn't feel overdone. Yeah, yeah. no, totally not. I mean, he doesn't really get time, does he? Because he gets yeah. killed. <laughs> <laughs> he gets killed so quickly. So the the, <coughs> the killer gets his bottle of J&B and starts pouring it into the glass, doesn't he? Mm. Doesn't, don't they? I'm not going to give away just yet who the killer is. Um... And then um, the, the the whiskey sort of yeah, overflows. And I was like, what are you doing? You're spilling my whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> and then it all goes tits up, really, and the killer then attacks Mario um, and starts stabbing him in the back. Poor Mario. Next day, Patrizia turns up and finds him. And quite interesting, isn't it? Because fa- he's found with his pants down. Mm. Yeah. Face down, bum up. And there's blood all around his lower regions as mm-hmm. well. And then I noticed, we didn't really see it, we don't see it with Maurizio, but then the, the male killing at the end, he gets his genitals mutilated as well. Mm-hmm. Which all sorts of links in, doesn't it, to the abortion at the beginning of the oh, film, yeah. the stabbing of the vagina with the, with the, mm-hmm. pit of the needle. Um, so Patricia finds him. 
She has some cool magic ring, doesn't she? I, I don't know what that is. Does anyone know? Is it a ring with a clock face on it? I think so. It was a cracker ring. Yeah. It, it was a It looks like a ring out of a Christmas cracker. It looks like it's got like colours on it. I think <laughs> that's the only time I've ever seen a ring like that. I think it was a designer cracker ring. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looked quite fancy. She, she was from a fashion house. Yeah. After maybe it is. Maybe it is like a watch on a ring, but mm-hmm. it was cool, whatever it was. Um, so she finds him and does an amazing scream. <laughs> I'm, scream and faint. I'm faint. That faint. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. The classic. The classic. I go cross-eyed upwards. Faint news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that something you've practiced, Martin? Yeah, from, it's from Acting One Hundred and One. Yeah. How to Act by Daniela Westbrook. By Daniela Westbrook. Doris's motorboat, motorbike. Motorboat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that scene. <laughs> That's in the deleted scene. Oh, okay. We cut from we go from the discovery of poor Mario dead to a motorbike photo shoot with Doris involved. Mm. Doris and the male model Stefano. Yeah. Uh, she's in like leopard prints, red leather boots that keep showing up throughout the film. Yeah, the same red leather boots. And he's like porno tash fur coat. And then he strips down to some amazing. It's a very um, anybody in Liverpool who's seen or heard of the Dazzle Ships exhibition. <laughs> the Dazzle <laughs> Ships. The underpants design throughout this film has been inspired by Dazzle Ships. Yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He gets annoyed about nothing though. I can't even remember why does he why does he get annoyed? He just kind of kicks off and takes his clothes off. The photographer's being picky about how Doris is meant to be posed yeah. and on the on the yeah. um, motorbike. In fact, doesn't he say to her something along the lines of "make the make the man come" or yeah. something by your pose? That's by it. How you pose yeah. Um, that's but, it. So that, he said, "That's it." He says, "The person looks at the person looks at the advert. He wants to buy the bike. Should come when he yeah. sees the advert." Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And Doris and Stefano are like, "What the fuck are you talking yeah. about?" Yeah. So it all gets all heated. So Stefano, in, in anger, takes his trousers off, which, you know, I appreciate that <laughs> when men do that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also noticed in this scene that Carlo's in double denim. Yeah. Which some, sometimes denim. works for me, I've got to say. Oh, he looked great in that. He's a fan of the Levi's, isn't he? Well, mm-hmm. I spotted that a few times. Yeah. Didn't you say there was some... I think there was some sort of Levi's involvement in the film. Yeah. Funding, definitely. Nice. Um, so red leather boots there then red leather boots in the next scene because it's the police interrogating everyone in, in Gisela's oh, yes. office hmm. and the marvellous Lucia who we thought had suddenly shorter hair but maybe it was just an updo type thing mm. it's definitely hard to tell it definitely looks shorter it is shorter there it is definitely a different style lesbian sex made it longer yeah yes <laughs> did for me anyway <laughs> <laughs> shocking <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah the police are trying to get to the bottom of it but um, <laughs> Lucia <laughs> Lucia is being a right uh, minx and she's sitting there with the knickers on show and um, they can only think of getting to the bottom of her really so they don't really get anywhere um, it is the best she looks she looks sort of like amazing I was enjoying Stephen's reactions to her actually yeah oh she was just gorgeous. She totally didn't give a fuck. She yeah. wanted. She was definitely playing it to to just distract the men and the and that one detective. Um. 
just looked ridiculous. Mm. The more the longer that scene went on, yeah. the more pathetic yeah. in some ways he was, yeah. wasn't he? he? Was just completely overpowered by her. Yeah. I feel like she noticed him staring at her and then thought, Okay, so Why my legs up, yeah. crossed the wrong way, so let's show him some more and mm. cross my legs back over and just expose. Yeah, because of like a Shirts open quite so down. Yeah, well, so yeah. Sort of... You might be interested to know, Jonathan, that she was in lots of sort of sexy comedy type things as well. Sexy comedy. She was in sort of little private lessons, which Ooh. you might want to treat, uh, track down. Tarzana the Wild Girl. Sounds good. Confessions of a Frustrated Housewife. Um, I'm writing these all down. Yes, <laughs> yes. She's in a, yeah, she's in a lot of them. Oh, she's in, she's in a western, a spaghetti western, I think, called Requiem for a Gringo. Oh, I like the Western. Yeah. Oh, she was also in Hatcher for the Honeymoon mm-hmm. as well. So she's done a lot of uh, So Sweet, So Dead. She's in that. The Killer Must Kill Again. The Countess Died of Laughter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so <coughs> she has a long and extensive career. She still does as well. She's 74 now. No. Femi Benussi. I love her name. Hmm. Mm. So speaking of Femi Benussi, we go from this scene to then suddenly she's having lesbian sex, but which is <laughs> longer hair, and um, she's getting slapped around by Giselle, who's going, "You bitch, you love it, don't you?" Which <laughs> <laughs> is just amazing, yeah, <laughs> amazing. So Giselle is like the tough sort of, uh, tough possessive lesbian, isn't she? She's like, it was. I had cool. the urge to answer and say yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. I to, Did I you want to be slapped around by yeah. Gisella? Yeah. I want to be slapped around by a big lesbian. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> all I've ever wanted. <laughs> um, so she sort of, um, she's got, uh, she's got Lucia in a grip, hasn't she? Mm. Literally. Um, and she's trying to control her and she's saying, I want you to stay here. You're not going out anywhere. You've got to wait till I come back. Mm. And Gisella has a great, um, Lucia has a great line where she says, I want to be a fashion model, not a kept woman or a slave. <laughs> so I, I wrote down that she doesn't come across as perverse or deviant as a gay character. She just comes across as another pervert in this film because yeah. <laughs> they're all yeah. as bad. They're, they're all as sort of mm. sexually, you know, voracious yeah. as each other, aren't they? Um, so she doesn't come across as like a slut or anything or, or anything. I also loved, so then Gisela leaves the house and uh, Lucia is left there on her own. So she gets up completely naked and I loved Stephen's reaction because what does she do? She walks straight over to the dresser and slips into her heels. So she's just <laughs> naked with heels on. Like, it's fucking everything I want in life. That is how I walk around the house. <laughs> yeah. Just me tits and me menjals and me heels. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> It's a it's a beautiful um, image that you've conjured. Yeah. Maybe if um if any of the um if any of the listeners would like to see a photograph of that, would you be <laughs> would you be happy yeah, to oblige? Happily. Great. Okay. You can get them on my OnlyFans as well. <laughs> <laughs> OnlyFans forward slash minging heels. That's that's like an offshoot, isn't it? That could be a bonus episode. What would your OnlyFans episode OnlyFans be called? <laughs> um. So she uh, running water. We hear running water. So oh oh, it's curtains for Paul Lucia. She, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, I like I that. that was even that wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> she thinks that someone's coming through the windows because the curtains are billowing. But mm. then suddenly, from behind through the shower curtain, the killer leaps. Did you jump, Martin? A little bit. I jumped. Like we knew it was coming, but it was still really well done. So it doesn't matter that you can tell that something's getting telegraphed. Lots of elements of this film are very slasher. Thinking yeah. of it. Mm. 
say it reminded the killer reminded me of like Mare Beach from the 80s yeah yeah. before I got the um, running water motif though I was just thinking that this um, the killer had no respect for people's water bill I thought someone was <laughs> having a massive piss <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck someone needs to go to the doctor <laughs> one of these women one of these women needs to get a prostate control. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Giselle needs a prostate exam. Yeah. Uh, um, so she, yeah, so poor Lucia is the next victim. She gets stabbed to death. No. It's very grisly. Uh, Jonathan's heart broke, didn't mm, it? Yeah, it was a bit of a shame. I would have yeah. liked to yeah, I would have liked she was to, so to strong. be in all the film and the rest of the film just be her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she could have spread across 90 minutes? My God, she would have tried. <laughs> I've had fun watching a try anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so from there, we are then greeted with Edwige Fennec with um, Magda's flat, which I'm in love with. It's like a cosy little studio flat, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. With this floral wallpaper that covers the ceiling as well. Yeah. Um, and she's got a gorgeous red Bialetti coffee maker, mm. which yeah. I want. Which they cut from the blood pouring down to the body to that coffee. Yeah. In like... Love it. Yeah. Love it. That's such a good stylistic choice. Totally. I was completely watching this scene thinking, can I decorate my house like that? I know. I feel like I really want that part. One of the one of the best elements of Jallo is is watching for the interior decor. Yeah. The fruit bowl especially is good. The fruit bowls probably. Yeah, the jagged oh, yeah. like crinkly yeah. fruit bowl. Totally. So she's got an amazing Bialetti, she's got um Carlo in bed, he's just waking up. They have this whole co- protracted conversation about whether you should put milk in your coffee. Yeah, mm. yeah, he gets quite aggressive, doesn't he? He gets quite aggressive a lot in this film. Yeah, but she's quite um, she's very traditional in her coffee drinking. Oh, very yeah. objects very very strongly to the presence of milk in coffee. She looks almost hurt. and even worse <laughs> when he says he wants it cold. Yeah. yeah. So she's refusing. She's got no milk anyway. So fuck off. And then she thinks, oh, well, hang on a minute, there might be some on the doorstep. So she goes, there's milk on the doorstep. And then when she gets back, Carlo is treating us all to, an, he's doing a naked handstand. Yeah. Naked headstand on the bed. Scruffy corpuscle, corpuscle, how does he say it? He calls it. Is it corpsicles? Corpsicles. Corpsicles. And what does he mean? He means corpuscles, which are your blood cells. Right. Well, it's good for my blood cells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Corpsicles. Naked headstand and then hint of balls under the pillow. Yes. <laughs> Definitely balls. Ben said that, didn't he? Ben declared plums, plums. all over the room. Scotch and like, eggs. Scotch eggs. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we've got like, so it's all like rom com type stuff. And then suddenly when she starts reading about the murder of Lucia and mentions to him that he knew her and asks where he met her, he suddenly grabs her on the throat and tells <laughs> Very, very strange. Very strange way to convince somebody you're not a murderer yeah. by choking them as you tell him. He's like strangling and saying, don't ask questions, and he's mm-hmm. all aggressive. But even weirder than that, they then go back to rom-com and yeah. they've seen, like, oh, let's sleuth and find out who the killer is. It's all romantic, even though he's just, like, tried to strangle her. I'd let him strangle me. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so... One of my favourite sequences in the whole film, which is really fucking weird, is um, Doris and Maurizio. Mm. So Maurizio sees Doris, she's just minding her own business, mm. waltzing down the via in her furs. 
And the cool sunglasses are amazing. Very cool sunglasses. And then he sort of picks her up, forces her to get in the car, kidnaps her, takes her back to his... It's a light kidnapping. It's a light kidnapping, <laughs> but he's like he's like driving like a maniac all around that's the streets that's, of Milan. That's, that's, that's amazing. And that amazing moment. To the point where she's feeling sick. Yeah. And she screams... Stop! There's a red light, and it's clearly a green. green. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that's done there. Like that shot is, it's you don't see them in the car. It's like from someone, the camera is the person in the car, and yeah. you yeah. just see that it kind of wobbles around. Yeah, so it's, well, it's they, going prob- the thing. they probably had to do that just like on the streets live, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Probably, live, they probably when it was probably just a driver, totally. just going. Yeah. Completely, because I think if you look, everyone does look a bit shocked by the way he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it was definitely a bit of a... Um... But in fairness, I think in Italy, for them to be looking shocked, it must have really been... Because the driving isn't... Yeah, it's not the It's not disciplined. It's not. They get back to his house that he lives in with his wife, Gisela, and there's a great little line, which I've never noticed before. Where she says, oh, I've been here before with your wife. Mm. <laughs> so we get the impression that Gisela shags every new model that comes through that agency. But then it was her implication that she, she could be the killer. She could be the killer. Mm. Yeah. Um, he offers her money for sex and she's like, no, go away. So he um, he then gets aggressive, threatens to smash it out of the vase. Yeah. And then she sort of relents and says, oh, all right then. Okay. So it's like... Essentially, so she starts. She then starts stripping while he's giggling like an overgrown child, mm-hmm. biting his nails, watching her get naked, and then he gets on top of her. And then we're unsure, aren't we? Because I just thought that he was impotent, but you say that you read that he jizzes on a leg. In Wikipedia, it says that he, yeah, he he comes to her. He's premature ejaculation. So see, I didn't get that. I yeah. think it, I think it's the opposite. Yeah. I think it's like the opposite, as you say. No, I. That's the way I saw it. Because when he gets the bloke doll out, he says it only ever works with you. Yeah. Yeah, but then he's that would make more sense. sense. Yeah. But either way, he fails at mm. the sexual act. Um, and then, really bizarre, he then starts weeping in her arms and mm. she comforts him. So, yeah. essentially, she's been kidnapped and almost raped. And then when he can't get it up, she comforts him. But that's to make him feel better. To me, though, that shows how much, how little of a threat that she perceives him to be he's yeah. just pathetic you know yeah what I mean? yeah so she she was was she ever really scared of him you know what i mean yeah yeah and she's I, like i she's, think she was when he had the vase po- mm. poised over her head i do find it really weird no, but then she she stands up and she starts stripping off for him as if she's gonna have sex with him and i'm like okay so she's just lulling him in in here and then she's gonna grab the vase and you can see the vase yeah. in the background of the shot and I'm like she's gonna pick it up and hit him over the head but no she's just actually decided she's gonna have sex with him that's exactly what I thought I thought she was <laughs> gonna give him one swift whack to the head yeah. just oh. to knock him out but no grab that would be coat, logical grab this, a coat and leave this is Italy this is 1975 yeah I think that she's probably heard stories from Gisela about what a pathetic man he is so he, he wouldn't be able to do anything anyway yeah. And she basically says, oh, just think of it as charity as he tries to offer him more money again. Yeah, he's just leaving. He yeah. to pay it anyway, doesn't he? I, I don't know. I, I just think um, I'd like to see, just as a reference point, because I've never seen any of them, I'd like to look at some of the sex comedies from Italy around this time. So, Edwige Fennec. She's in quite a few of them, isn't she? Even though she's like a jello icon, 
her actual trade was she was in all of the sex comedies. Mm. So they're not quite they're, they're a bit dirtier thing than the carry ons. They're more like the confessions of a window kind right. of type films. So they've got actual sex in, but it's all played for laughs. And and I can I'm sort of guessing from watching this that a lot of them will have a lot of these types of moments in where there's like comedy rape scenes mm. and comedy yeah. rape. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's Pretty much of a time comedy. <laughs> yeah, although Almodovar did it in the 90s. Um, so in this scene, so one of the extras on the Arrow Blu-ray is there's interviews with a couple of the cast who are still with us and the actress who played Doris talks about this scene and she says that the actor who played Maurizio smelled. So the big, big naked obese man was all over it and he smelled of sweat and garlic. Yeah. And when underwear he climbs, was not as appealing as the other under- underwear. No, no. The shot when he climbs on top of her and he's got those huge weights <laughs> on his pants on and I don't know, they're just They're not quite tighty whities, they're, they're quite, more mighty whities. Yeah. <laughs> they're a bit saggy and Ma mighty whities. Yeah. <laughs> Actually interesting though, isn't it? He's the one with like the most plain underwear on the entire thing, whereas every other actor, male actor who gets in their underwear has always got these snazzy little funky underwear on. Maybe they just didn't come in his size. Maybe. It was before the days of, you know, XXL bears and things like that Mm. when they made underwear for men that size. Now I feel sorry for him. So we all feel sorry for him. We all feel sorry for him because when she leaves, they start playing this sad music while Mm. she's moping around the house (laughs) crying. (laughs) And then as the things couldn't be any weirder, he then scoops a a blow-up doll out. (laughs) Of a draw, <laughs> and he says, "You're the only one who makes it happen." And then running water, running water again, and we get practically the same shots that we had earlier on in the film in the same apartment, except a lot less sexy. And with an added cameraman in the mirror. Oh yeah, yeah, which is always fun. So he's wandering around the apartment, fearful because he senses somebody in there because of the running water, with his blow-up doll. And a very sharp kitchen knife, mm. which seemed a very risky manoeuvre. Mm. Yeah. Don't want to get a puncher. Yeah, no. <laughs> they don't come cheap in the 1970s. <laughs> they have got a cool lamp as well. There's like a cool... You were very taken with that lamp, yeah, weren't you? it's very good. Mm. I like that. It's like metallic and all yeah. sorts of... Up there. It's like a weird triangular prism, but there's like stacks of three of them. Yeah. On there. You'd, have to, you'd have to watch it, really. Yeah. It's very cool. Anyway, he dies, doesn't he? Yeah, he dies. He gets stabbed. Um, and so he's gone now. So the kill count is up to what three? Yeah. Then we have an amazing shot of Ezreach Fennec sleuthing with a giant magnifying glass to her eyes. <laughs> oh my god! It's just got to be in the poster for the film. It reminds me of um, Top Secret. Yes, the pizza cushion. <laughs> when he's got the giant. Have you magnif- seen that? <laughs> it's like a magnifier of his eye, and then but then when he takes the magnifying glass away, his eye is actually giant. <laughs> 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 she should have done that. That was really good. Yeah. Um, so she's too busy sleuthing. Carlo wants to get down to it, so he seduces them. We have like a sex scene, protracted sex scene. Great shot of Carlo and his white, his tighty whities on the bed, which I may have rewound. Um, oh, this is when he's outside, isn't it? This is when he's knocking on the door. We've got the food. Yeah, coming Yeah, because yeah, she thinks someone's attacking her, so she tries yeah. to phone the police. That's right. Yeah. And then Carlo says, "Open the door." Yeah, and he has a semi. He has a semi, which we paused. So at uh, one mi- uh, one hour, one minute and 23 seconds, Nino Costanova has a semi on. So please fast forward to that moment and have a look. There's a great, so there's a shot here, which um, might sound really silly, but 
the bit where they where they're getting down to it and he's lying she's lying with like one leg raised in her little knickers but he's lying in a mirror image yeah. he's lying with his right leg raised in his in his white pants in a in a in a frame in, in like a sort of position that is only usually reserved for women yeah that's yeah. shot Mm-hmm. of a man laying like that is very rare because mm-hmm. it's always a woman that men want to see in that position with the arse up and a bit mm-hmm. you know I, f- yeah. I find that really interesting that, that they use that because there's almost like a mirror isn't it two of them yeah like, he's on the right right hand of the shot yeah his ass isn't like a very deliberately perky posed come and get me yeah. it's a come yeah. and get me position which in a, in a film that isn't isn't a gay porn movie mm-hmm. is very <laughs> unusual mm-hmm. it's very unusual you wouldn't get that in any other Jello podcast. <laughs> you wouldn't. You wouldn't get that. <laughs> no. You'd have to watch the film first. Yeah, you have to watch it. <laughs> we will. I will post photographs as well. Um, Gisella, at the meanwhile, Gisella is getting blackmailed <clears throat> by someone who wants some yeah, money. Yeah, because Edwige overhears it, doesn't she? Yeah. So she tells Carlo all about it, and Carlo goes and stalks, doesn't he? Well, she's going to do this meet to drop off this money. Is it like ten million lira or something? Yeah, it's like forty-three pounds. <laughs> He's going. She's going to drop off the money like under an underpass in the dead of night. Carlo's watching, taking photographs, and then Gisella is suddenly attacked, isn't she? Mm. From behind. From behind, and her ears are cut off. Ears Both are ears are cut off, <laughs> off. Very efficiently, because it's over in like five seconds. Yeah. And she dies, but I'm assuming ears dropping off doesn't kill you? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. It'd be very sore. Yeah. I think the killer stabbed, stabbed her as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, very efficient killer. Yeah, but not very efficient police. Oh, God. The, the police who followed us this exact position but then took at least a minute and a half after she had her ears chopped yeah. off to get there. I've seen a lot of hopeless police in my time, but this film takes the biscuit. <laughs> yeah. They're really bad. And they don't spot the man lurking <coughs> 10 feet away in the bushes with a camera. Yeah. <laughs> and give up the search. He's gone. And then he just... <laughs> what they yeah. say so like he, oh he's ran away we're never going to catch him now be, he's on. probably gone home by now yeah. <laughs> 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 the pub. Yeah. I like that um, the bit leading up to this though where they are following it and it's kind of like oh, it's shot of the feet the feet yeah it's and it's like that. hair strutting and then it goes to like one policeman walking down the street and then there was like two policemen walking yeah. down the street after it chopped for the first time and then there was three policemen and yeah, I just it's, felt, it's like common, just it's funny isn't it oh that's with the yeah. scarf isn't it yeah fucking Tom Baker. It's like Ben says, who's the killer, Doctor Who. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's a lot of comedy in this film, isn't there? You know, intentional, intentional comedy. So Carlo um, has got photographic evidence of the killer, which he dumps in the waste bin behind the the modelling studio, doesn't Mm -hmm. he? And then the killer drives over Carlo, so so he's hit by a car, he ends up hospitalised. And he has a a, a tiny cut on his eyebrow. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he calls... Magda and says, I'm in the hospital, but you need to go and retrieve these shots of the killer. And you would know, then we will know who it is. So we got um, an interesting glimpse into the lives of two nurses as well. We do, yeah. <laughs> like, are you going on a date with Gino? <laughs> yeah. No, I need to do overtime. Yeah, she's not going because she's doing overtime. I'm surprised it? that Carlo never seduced both nurses. Maybe, maybe, maybe we did. Maybe we didn't see that. Maybe, yeah. maybe that was why he didn't get out of bed uh, to look for his film himself. Yeah. That that explains it. Uh, there's a great moment where Magda goes to goes to find the stuff for him, and she struggles with a negligee. So we get like a long language oh, mm-hmm. to the topless. Oh, amazing, so good. But this film is so knowing of who's watching it. 
that after she does that, she then sort of throws the negligee over the camera as if to say, you dirty boys. <laughs> I wonder if that was intentional. I wonder if she just, in the moment, just threw it on the camera. I wonder. It'd yeah. be interesting. It works really well. Yeah. And I just like the idea of the director like saying, right, so now you're going to try and take your negligee off, but it's going to get stuck, so you're going to shake your tits about <laughs> it and then take it off and then throw it at us. Yeah. It's great. It's just great direction. There's, well a, there's a brilliant bit here, which I always forget about, because I think it's actually in the middle of all this sort of funny slapstick horror. This bit's actually creepy for me, and it's the bit where she goes out to a car and the killer's watching mm, and breathing. That's brilliant. Mm. Like, slowly walking as she's... It's Michael Myers. Yeah, she's trying to drive out, but it's all done in, like, one shot, isn't it? Yeah. And then you see the... Like, over the shoulder of the killer just getting closer to Because she it. has to get out of the car to open the gate yeah, or whatever. Yeah, to the gate. And you're thinking, oh my god, he's getting, he or she is getting mm. closer and closer, and we don't know whether. Mm-hmm. Just the tension in that is brilliant. It's, mm. it's, it's really good. I feel like there's the potential in this film to actually have been really scary. I think the reason why that bit works more than the other bits, but I think that's because the music is fantastic, but also every time the killer was stalking in other scenes, <laughs> There was this jazzy underbeat, and I couldn't help just like hum along to it and tap yeah. my feet, and I was like, "Ooh!" Really and also, that strange it. sound effect that we kept picking up on. We've like not talked about the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the, I hope the film's on YouTube, so I can, <laughs> <laughs> I'll drop it in every time we talk about Carlo and his white undies. Sounds probably. Maybe that was the sound effect from when his um. He flopped out of his pants. Okay. <laughs> I did say that. I said that that needed to be on the scene before. Yeah, but it was, but it wasn't. There was Ray Walsh motif and the boing sound effect and another shimmering boing sound yeah. effect, which was all the motifs of the killer. Yeah, but she gets away. She goes to find the reels, the missing reels of, of uh, film. film that I sure to have to kill her on. At the same time, we then cut back to Doris, who we haven't seen for a while, and she's watching the news reports, isn't she, about mm. the murders? It's explaining the plot of the film. It's explaining <laughs> the plot, it's giving us a, a catch-up on who's been killed. Which it was, was helpful. It was helpful. <laughs> it actually, for this film, I it was. I feel like that was really knowing yeah. that they were telling us who was dead. So I was like, <laughs> right, so which one is? <laughs> yeah, because you're trying to work out who's going to be the killer. And the film starts to play with you, because at the same time, so they list who's dead, so you do you are p- piecing it together. Yeah. And then Stefano turns up, who we haven't seen for ages, and you think, yeah. oh, it must be him. And then at the same time, she develops, Magda develops the film, and Stefano's on the photographs mm. at Gisela's death scene. Mm. So we're like, it must be him. But then... And he starts beating Doris. He gets really aggressive, yeah. doesn't he? Yes. Oh, my God. I can't stand any more beatings. Yeah. It's like, can't take it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, this bit's a bit. That's a bit depressing. It's quite depressing, yeah. Um, so we think, oh, it may, this must be him then. But then suddenly the killer turns up and cuts his cock off. I think what's quite cool about that um, idea though, that he sets us up to think that it's him, and then he's in the photo and everything is that if you were paying attention, you should have actually known that it couldn't have been him because the killer was wearing the helmet during the yeah. entire scene. Yeah. So if we saw his face, then it can't have been him. Yeah. And it should have been obvious, but it completely wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just realised that, yeah. Too. yeah, and that's why it, it should have been obvious, but just really, yeah. really wasn't. Yeah. It's a good misdirection. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So whilst Edwige is being attacked by the killer in the studio, Carlo struggling to get out of bed, little another little flash of under it, um, and then the killer goes round and kills Doris and Stefano. So St- Stefano gets his bits cut off. Doris gets a tick cut off. Yeah, one mm-hmm. tick cut off. Really I think this is a 
stabs in. I mean, do you think as well? Yeah. There's a bit of, yeah. bit of gore. So, yeah. You leave one tiff intact so you can still pay. Yeah. It's like um, Jack the Ripper, that, isn't it? He's yeah. Chopped yeah. Up. yeah. Um, whilst Doris is dying, before she gets a tits cut off, she's got very pert nipples. And your Stephen has a great comment. Oh, so the nipples could have stabbed back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They could stab back. So it's definitely not, it's neither of them. So then Carlo has a final showdown with the killer. This is where, like, can I just say, I was genuinely guessing the entire way through this film who's, who was going to be the killer. And the killer. And I was like, but everybody's dying. Who's dying? But there was one model left, wasn't there? Because she was mm-hmm. in the beginning. Mm. She was She was the one who was at the lesbian sex show with Maurizio in the, at the beginning. Mm. So she was always there. Um, I'll be honest, when they took the helmet off, I said, who's yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> I think they did a really good job. I think they sort of did a good job of, of you making you forget that she was around. Mm. But she should have, she should have had a little bit, just a, like maybe one more scene. Yeah. So you knew. I so t- you'd I see t- her and go, oh, hey, yeah. rather than see her and go, who's that? Yeah. Who's that? Because I was expected to be Evelyn. I thought the reveal was going to be it was Evelyn. She, she, didn't, she didn't die to start because that would make sense with the rubber on water motif because yeah. you keep getting like little flashes that almost subliminal frames of yeah. Evelyn in the bath yeah. yeah yeah. so I was thinking okay she didn't die because yeah. when it, um, the, even the recap on the news they talk about the first victim being the doctor and they, so they don't mention Evelyn being dead yeah, so I thought that was what it was going to be Yeah, but yeah. I was wrong so. yeah well so it turns out the Patrizia was the other model and she was Evelyn's sister and she's getting revenge for Evelyn's death, but she wasn't just Evelyn's sister, which they sort of skip over lightly that they were having an incestuous yeah. relationship as well. Yeah, so she was jealous that Evelyn had had an affair and was pregnant with... It's implied it's Stefano's baby, yeah. isn't it, kind of? Is well, it implied or is it just assumed? Oh, Carlo's baby. No, Stefano's. How I thought it was Carlo because he was helping put it in the bath. Oh, yeah. oh maybe it is. Then. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. It is. It's yeah, because he, yeah, he turns up to start, yeah. doesn't he, so about. Yeah. So I thought it was his all yeah, along. That's very funny. So, so sort of, uh, what would you call them, a problematic hero? Um, we're just thinking all the way through it. Oh, he's nice, then he's a cunt. No, he's nice, then he's a cunt. But then by the end of it, actually, he's just a cunt. Yeah. Yeah. Why wasn't Why wasn't he one of the first victims? Then, you know what I mean? Why yeah. kill all these people that aren't, re- that aren't really connected? If, yeah. if it was the Is doctor it, aren't she him? Says, she says as she dies, doesn't she? I was saving you for last. Ah, okay. Yeah. She's just saying. save that guy for last. Yeah. Plus he's really pretty, so he's got a last of them. Yeah. And then, best ending to a film ever. <laughs> With all the twists that you didn't see coming. <laughs> Completely unexpected. <laughs> so the, we go back to rom-com, as they're sort of rolling around on the bed. And <clears throat> see, she does say to him, he, he says, uh, are you on the pill? Or she says, I'm on the pill. And it's she, yeah, it's okay, so, don't have to worry. Yeah, are you being careful? You're being careful, which, may, which also makes me think that he was the baby's dad. Mm. Well, I, it, yeah, it was. That was a deliberate reference. Yeah. So she says, "Are you being careful?" And he doesn't say, "Yeah." He responds, and she says, oh, "You don't need to worry. I'm on the pill." Yeah. And he said, "Well, you can't be. You can't be too safe. Yeah. Be too safe." And then rolls her over. Rolls her over. <laughs> and then we have like a moment where we think, "Oh my god," because she's struggling and saying, "No, no, no." Yeah. And then he's like, ah, "Just kidding." Yeah. <laughs> it ends on pretend. Comedy anal rape. Yeah. Wow. With like a freeze frame of them both giggling away, like, <laughs> like smiling, laughing while they're doing it. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Which sort of sums up this film. Just, I'm speechless. Yeah. 
my mouth did fall open. My mouth fell open. And my hands were on my face. Yeah. And you are like, what have I just watched? Yeah. But it's a, just a, it's it's such a riot. The mm, film yeah. is such a laugh, I think. It's such a good time. There's have some I really, heard? really great shots, I think, as well, near the end. I think I mentioned maybe watching it. It's when um, Carlo is turning up at the house to see the killer, and it's almost like black and white. It's like really, really stark imagery. Because yeah. they turn up in the car, the red, uh, is it Uno, is it or something? Mm. So they turn up in this car, and the only colour in the shot is it is almost black and white, and it's only yeah. the car that's yeah. red and looks brilliant. Because for most of the film, it's quite saturated with colour, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So it is. It does really stand out, though. Yeah, no, it's good. It's like moments of genius, moments, and then you get some like really fucking weird cuts. Don't you when it just like slams from one side? Oh, the, um, in the the, the, off the detective the in the office. Yeah. Yeah. In in the middle of a sentence, they leave an office and enter a different room. Via a cut, yeah. Well, they didn't go through any door or anything. It just goes from the two different rooms and yeah. the dialogue in like just a sl- continues like on yeah. in a slam cut. Yeah, and it's so off-putting. And I think it happens on another scene later on as well, but not quite as bad. It's really weird and surreal, but for some reason, I feel <laughs> like I really enjoyed that part of the film. I was like, yeah, I feel like it makes sense in the context yeah. of this particular film. It's its own world, isn't it? Yeah. It's loaded to itself. Yeah. I would believe, yeah, if you said that the director <coughs> just did that on purpose for stylistic reasons and not just for them, um, they only had one take, which is probably the real reason. Yeah. So reason Rachel's booklet thing essay is <clears throat> part of the part of the package. She highlights something interesting in how the whole thing, the whole film, hangs off an abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was made in 1975. Abortion wasn't legalized was until 78. Oh wow! I was gonna say, is that why the opening scene was tinted blue? I was wondering if, because, um, but, but it's a very um, religious country, isn't it? Italy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even still now, yeah, that would that would have been pretty shocking. Yeah, I imagine it would have been. Yeah, because there were Jallo there were Jallo films before this that were about that were similar in that they hinged mm. on like a botched abortion and well thingies. Uh, one of his on to Solange yeah basically the similar sort of plot yeah that's a great film I've never watched that yeah, one that's amazing so I do think that's interesting and I think uh, I think even though this film is written off as trashy and it is completely mm. trashy it's an interesting thing to look at that element of it yeah. isn't it because it's sort of it's, it is commenting on stuff that was going on in, the, in that day and mm. age that is very specific to it um, so I thought that was quite interesting um, I did like um how the genitalia being stabbed is a nice echo of well not a nice one but a nice echo of the all the abortion stuff at the beginning mm-hmm. as well yeah uh, and I think it's interesting now uh, Jello films a lot of them are attacking male masculinity aren't they because the, mm-hmm. the, that's the big threat to their audiences your masculinity being being sort of doubted you know questioned mm-hmm. or out and out attacked and in this film it's literal She's yeah, literally yeah. getting stabbed in the bollocks. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that she writes about in that booklet, so I recommend if you've got if you get um if you want to get that that Blu-ray, get that edition of it as well. Um she comments on what we've said about how the men are stripped as much as the women mm. in the film as well. Um you know, so the the men come across as chauvinistic, predatory, or stupid. <laughs> so they don't come off any better than any of the women mm. do. The women actually are more if you think about it, a bit more empowered in this film than the yeah, books, not the, not the women are portrayed as being um, bimbos or 
um, all weekend anyway, are they? Really, it's, it's no. the, the, it is the, the only ones who who are intellectually yeah. challenged are, are male characters. Yeah. Say the police are totally useless. Yeah. They do literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are stupid. Um, so the Italian title, Nude per l'Assassino. It was released on the 26th of August and then it got released in the UK in uh, October 1979, Races X by the BBFC. Mm-hmm. But there were five minutes cut from it, but um, I, I don't know what those five minutes were, but I imagine it's probably a lot of the close-ups on the genitalia being yeah, stabbed yeah. and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. to ask what our followers think of the film so we've got Johnny Numb says I haven't seen it in a few years but I remember liking it's a mix of sleaze gore and goofy humour Senor Ward says love it such an entertaining and fun giallo Edwige is great and Nino Castelnuovo in a role that feels like it was tailor made for George Hilton um, mm. fantastic score by Pisano really hope it'll be released at some point um, Zondo from Beyond says great score wildly entertaining um, he says, I did an Andrea Bianchi double bill last year with this and Burial Ground, which is just as bonkers. Looking forward to this episode. Giallo Kiddo says, <laughs> Giallo Kiddo says, uh, Maurizio, obese man, is the hero we deserve. Cinema <laughs> <laughs> um, Europa says, I think it's a fun Giallo that strikes a good balance of the genres elements. <clears throat> House of Freudstein says, it's just about Bianca's most conventionally well-made movie, which just goes to show how completely crackers the rest of his films are. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a fiend on film says, the nudity is outstanding. I can't argue with that. No. Giornata Nera says, wonderful, fun, giallo that has everything an Italian murder mystery needs, including some completely bonkers scenes. Definitely a cut above the rest. See what he did there. Yeah. Um, and Andy Roberts from Nasty Pasty Podcast says this one's definitely nice and sleazy does it and it showcases Bianchi's talent at controversial subjects like the recurring incest thing he has in all of his movies but like his other films this one is just as camp just as awkwardly dodgy and just as downright hilarious I think if I'm going to watch it in an Italian film this is the kind of Italian film I'm watching <laughs> <laughs> the perfect amount of sleaze and funniness and awkwardness and then Loads of gruesomeness for again. Like. Yeah. Um, Andre Bianchi, Malabimba, watch that one as well. Um, if you can track that down, that's harder to get unless you want to fork out like 20 odd quid for the DVD. But actually, you'll probably find it on Pornhub. I found it on a porn site, yeah. Which, you know, I've never been but on. But I, so um, I had to download it and then get a separate subtitle file. It was, yeah. it was a whole faff, but. It's a pain in the ass. Maybe that'll get a lot of the. That's a lot of way to go for porn. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe that'll get a Blu ray release. I think it deserves it. Malibin, but definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I recommend anything directed by this man. He's, uh, he's mental. Um, and um, as Andy Roberts says, it's, um, yeah, camp and awkwardly dodgy. Yeah. Awkwardly dodgy. I would love to sit down with the guy who wrote the write-up on Heathers recently. Did oh, you God. see that? There was um, a thing doing the rounds on Twitter by someone who, um, who did a write-up who I think was paid as a professional writer to do a, a millennial review of Heather's and it started with me and my friends sat down to watch this and we couldn't believe what we were seeing mm. This that's the tone it's actually like Mary Whitehouse wrote the review mm. of Heather's um, is Wait. this meant to be funny? that's what they're asking 
and it ends with if you want to see something about about high school bitchiness watch Mean Girls Oh, it's much safer or something much safer like, something it didn't say that but just something along mm. those lines that was the implication yeah so I would love to I would love to sit down with those people and watch this film he'd probably die <laughs> I'd like to see some millennial heads explode watching mm. this film but there you go <clears throat> that's the sound of a good jello for me yeah yeah or a bad jello um, so I recommend it what do you think we'd love to get your feedback on this episode and all of the Jalo episodes what other jelly do you think we should be covering because we won't stop covering jelly because we love jelly and we love Italian films so you can get hold of me on Twitter I'm at Johnny Larkin you can get Stephen Moore yeah, I completely forgot. At HD99. <laughs> Jonathan Butler. Uh, Cthulhu502. Where on earth are you going to find Mark? You'll find me watching the live lesbian display in <laughs> downtown Melbourne. I thought you'd be the lesbian. <laughs> but not live. <laughs> He'd be miming the whole thing. <laughs> Lip syncing. Lip syncing. <laughs> <laughs> 